welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. All right, welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode 531, and we are continuing our coaching calls with Eric. And this is turning into a pretty awesome conversation. We have, I think, seven episodes now that you can go back and check. So please do that. There's links in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. Eric, welcome. How's it going today? Let's start with the celebration. How about that? Yeah, I was re-listening to our last coaching episode on hiring teachers, recruiting teachers when you and I were both in Missoula. But I was listening to that last week and I got a notification that we had a new applicant for a position. And I was in the middle of, I think, setting up a track meet or something I had to do. But I got home that night and I pulled out my phone and I just called this person. And my wife's, what are you doing? I was like, I'm calling somebody that applied. She's like, just wait till Monday. I was like, no, I'm I'm calling them the day of. And it turned out to be a really good candidate for a position we really have high expectations for. And it felt really good when we connected. I think she, the teacher didn't answer my call at nine o'clock at night on a Thursday, which I understand. <laughs> But the next morning she called me back and she's like, Hey, this is so-and-so. And I was really surprised that you called me. Like I just applied yesterday and it felt nice. I've had other teachers this spring tell me this, but she goes, I'm so glad you called right away. I had an offer that I had till noon and I was going to accept it, but I think I'm going to turn it down. I want to come there and interview. I was like, Oh, oh. so thank you. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So what is it about that situation that made it work in your favor? Like, what do you think the difference was for her? I think a lot of it was just having somebody respond right away. I think like you and I had talked about on the last coaching call, people aren't used to that. There's that awkward, long process. And sometimes you don't even know if it's still open or if they've interviewed. So I think that was part of it. The other part of it was there was a personal connection. My wife, Emily's family is from the same small town and all went through the same high school in New York, like just this random connection. And I think that was part of it too. It It was just a weird, random thing. But I know that teachers aren't used to getting a call the day they apply, which makes a big difference. Yeah. When you apply for a job, it's like going into a black box. And once you put your application in, there's like no positive or negative communication. It's all very like automatic and stoic and just like super uncomfortable. So I think that little thing of reaching out and just calling somebody and saying, Hey, this is what we got. And by the way, my wife went to the same place you did. Those kinds of things are powerful and they help people see that you're a real person. And that matters because the whole interview application, everything process is so impersonal and so sterile. It makes you feel like you're just a piece of meat, which in reality, you kind of are in education. Mm -hmm. Hog in a machine. Yep. 
Yeah, well, that was my celebration. So thank you. I was hoping today we could, I think we agreed on the topic when we ended our last coaching session, but wanted to talk parents with you. I think we were both excited for this one. Yes, I I am excited for this one. So what's on your mind about parents? Well, I think being a new principal, which has kind of been the theme of our coaching call, like coming in new, every community has its own unique culture and traditions. And I think parents are a part of that, like their role and what they expect of principles is different in each community. Like anywhere, I think the place that I'm at, there's some really great, helpful, positive parents that, like I had asked some people at the start of the year, who's on our parent advisory? And no, there wasn't one. And so it started slow. We tried to, I think we had, God bless the two brave parents that showed up and awkwardly met with the principal in the fall, (laughs) you know, but it's, built and we had up to 25, 30 parents at our last one. So there's some positives. Like if you give them a role and say, Hey, I want your input. Here's some things we have to decide. That's been great. But there's also been some challenges and I've had some of the honestly, just meanest, nastiest parents that I've had to deal with. And I've struggled with that because usually when parents are upset, it's because something happened to their kid or they disagree with your decision. I get that. But here's two examples. Before the school year started, I had multiple parents tell me being a successful principal is all about being popular. Hmm. All you have to do is make everybody happy and get everybody to like you. Yeah. And I'm just like, really? Is that what people think? Or is that how this... Has that been the expectation? I don't think that's what it's about. I don't think you can make everybody happy. So that's one thing, like when the parent expectation is very different than your own, how do you find some common ground and build some positives with parents? I know that parents can be one of the toughest parts of being in education. Teachers, you hear that from teachers, whether it's lack of support or just unreasonable expectations from parents, unreasonable communication from parents. So what would you recommend or what are some ideas around like when parents have very different expectations? This is to me a very fun question because we often in education get on the other side of the table from parents and we should never be on the other side of the table we should always be on the same side working together but it's easy for us to get confused and get lost and not focus on the right things and this is one of those areas that i really get excited talking about and i haven't written a ton about this mostly to protect you know, the parents that I've had to deal with, but I love it when I have angry parents because they're passionate and I want to use judo moves to get that parent to turn their passion towards helping their kids, not turn their passion towards fighting me. So there are a couple of core beliefs that I think help me with that. And so I'm going to talk about those a little bit here. Number one, I believe that education is the parent's responsibility and we as educators step in and help 
in a government-funded, supportive kind of way. So I always start from that premise. It is your responsibility to teach your kids, how can I help you in that responsibility? And by starting from that position, what you're telling the parents is you respect their position as parents. You believe that they are doing the best that they possibly can and that you want to be a service to them, not a commander or a director of everything, but you want to help them. And when I explain that clearly to people, education is your responsibility and I'm here to help you. How do I help you make your child into the best adult that we can? That's my job. People have responded very positively to that. Any feedback or thoughts on that first? It's it's kind of counter to what I think a lot of schools feel where we've had to take on more responsibilities as a school because they don't get them at home. But I agree with you. It is the parent's responsibility and we are here to help. Yeah. So let's talk about that piece a little bit because we that's a very judgy thing for us to say as educators that we have to take on all this additional responsibility. If a parent asks for it and needs it, then we're in the service business. We should definitely help them out and do what we can. But if we start with thinking they are the primary people responsible and we're just there to help them, that is a powerful way for us to change that conversation with them. Even if they're not doing a quote unquote great job in our eyes of raising their kids. And so when you start with that approach, you automatically seed the authority and the power in that situation to the parent. And then when they say things like, this is what needs to happen, then you can say, well, educationally and in our system, those things can't happen. So like, for example, if your kid gets in a fight, we have to remove them from the situation to protect the other students who could be afraid of what happened. That doesn't necessarily mean out of school. Maybe in your school it does, maybe it doesn't. But mm -hmm. that means that we have to take some time away. Now, we have them away from everybody else. What can we do during that time to help them make better choices? My kid didn't do anything wrong. I don't think there's any issue at all. If they if that happened again, I tell them to fight again. Okay, thank you for that. I appreciate that. We will build from there. Here are the things that we want to do to help your student. Do you want them to let their emotions be in control of them all the time? No parent is going to say, yes, I want my child to be controlled by their emotions only. Do you want your child to make good decisions? Of course, I want my child to make good decisions. Great. We're going to talk about how to help them not resort to violence when something that they don't like happens. And taking those simple approaches, I'm explaining it here briefly and succinctly, but that's a longer conversation that takes time to get to. But it's a valuable conversation to have and to take that approach of you're the one responsible for teaching your kids these things, and we are here to help you do that. Even if we don't agree on teaching them the same things, we're going to give another perspective to help them make what we believe are better choices and then the final thing about that is there's a way that you play the game of school and we need to teach your child how to play the game of school because what they just did does not enable them to play the game of school effectively. And we want them to be successful in this system. 
So we're going to teach them how to do that. And if you don't know how to teach them how to do that or don't want to teach them how to do that, we are happy to do that for you and help make sure that they understand how to be successful here at school. So can I share a little story about how this happened for me? Yeah. So it was my first year being an administrator and I was finding that this one who was so, so against the school and so against everything that we were doing was, she was actually a grandma and she was just always upset with whatever decision I made. Her boys who were grandsons got in a lot of trouble and their mom was in prison and this grandma had spent time in prison and there were always shady guys around the house. Um, she had a boyfriend who was fairly committed to her, but was a super negative influence on the boys. She and her boyfriend had been in gangs, their kids were in gangs, and there was just a lot of negativity going on. And it was really, really challenging. And I didn't understand this approach in the beginning. And what taught it to me was the situation where the boy was accused of doing something and it didn't seem like he actually did it. And so when I called the grandma, before I could even say what was going on, she saw it was me and she said, I'm coming in right now. So she came in and I met her outside and I said, she was ready to fight me, right? She was, she was all fired up. And I said, I don't think your grandson did anything wrong. And she was like, what? I said, I think he's being set up. I think somebody else did something and he's not going to, he's not going to snitch on this other kid and he's just going to take the punishment. But I don't think that he did it. I'd already done an investigation. I already asked other kids and there was something fishy going on. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And she, this woman who had like hated me every time I talked to her said, what do you mean he didn't do it? And I said, I think somebody is blaming him and I don't think that he did anything wrong, but he won't tell me and I need to know what really happened. And she, of course, was like, well, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> so uh, so she goes in and she said, I need to talk to him alone first. And I said, sure, go ahead. So they go in and they start talking and he's expecting grandma to be mad because every time he got in trouble at school, she was mad at us, but she was also mad at him and she wanted a better life for him. She went in and talked to him and figured out that he didn't do it and that he was being set up. And that was actually what was happening. She came back out and she gave me a hug, which I never thought this woman would ever give me a hug. And every single time after that, she saw me, she gave me a hug and was positive and excited to see me. All she needed to see was that I was on her side. Now, that's just one example of this thing that we're talking about. But once she saw that, it changed how she perceived the school and how she perceived what we were doing. And she trusted me and wanted to help me help her kids. And I didn't know the impact that that would have, but I saw, I learned that lesson and I started applying that in the future. And for every situation where I had a disagreement with the parent, I tried to use that same tactic. Now, to be honest, it didn't always work. There mm -hmm. are two instances that I know of where uh, my efforts to help parents were severely shot down and they didn't appreciate what I was doing and didn't want to have any of it. But every other time, I mean, out of all the years I was a principal, only having two that were really like, they're not interested at all. I felt like that was pretty good considering how upset parents often got because of what we were doing 
with their kids, especially around discipline issues and things like that. So that tactic does work and it works even better if you actually believe it and aren't just using it as a facade to say, this is what I'm saying to get you to agree with me. But if you actually believe that education is the parent's responsibility and you're there to serve and help out and your actions show that people will buy into it and believe it. Yeah. And I've had challenges over the years and found different ways, you know, similar to what you did with this grandparent to show like it's, it may feel like I'm sure a lot of them, it feels like the school's against you, the principal's against you, everything is negative, your kid's in trouble, but building relationships, sharing positives, like I've had good success with that. But what about parents that there isn't even really a reason or a disagreement or a discipline thing, but they still just want to be angry and fight. Like I, I had one at parent teacher conferences in the fall, never met the parent, asked to meet with me, said, absolutely introduce myself. Didn't know who, even who their kid was. And the first thing the parents said when we got in the office and shut the door, well, I'm recording this conversation and I have a lawyer and I'm suing you. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like, what could you possibly be mad about? You know, parents will threaten to sue you or whatever through IEP stuff or discipline stuff, but it wasn't even one of those. And it's like, they just want to come in and fight. I don't even know how to really respond to that. Or, you know, I've had staff and even kids ask me about like the podcast where they listen, but mm -hmm. something a parent said the other day, they were upset about something and I call them at the end of the day to be proactive like with good intentions I want to give you a heads up before I leave tonight here's what I found out and it turned into just an absolute tirade you are the worst principal I'm going to get you fired I'm coming for your job and then the cherry on top was maybe if you cared more about doing your job instead of doing your stupid can I cuss if I'm quoting Yes, go ahead. Then your stupid fucking podcast. And I'm like, what? What are you so mad about? What are we What are we fighting about? It's hard to do anything other than just hang up. Like, it's hard to build a relationship and work with that. Have yeah. you had similar experiences? Yes. As, as you know, I've been doing the podcast ever since I started being a principal. And so I've had lots of experiences with that. I mean, number one, congratulations that your podcast is successful enough that people are listening. And that's, that's a good thing. So I want to address that first, because what you're doing with this podcast is actually way more impactful than that parent probably realizes. You're literally finding people who can help you be a better principal and trying to ask them questions that are directly pertaining to the struggles that you're facing as a principal. Now, I don't know what this parent wants, but if they don't want someone who is actively seeking to improve themselves and be the best principal they can, I don't know really how to help them, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I hope that parent is listening, and I hope that parent understands that you are going above and beyond what most principals do by doing this. You don't have to do a podcast. Most principals don't. You don't have to continually seek to get better. Many principals don't. Many principals do the district provided professional development, maybe go to a conference each year, but that is pretty much it. And the fact that you are like taking time to research and improve yourself 
should be a badge of honor that everybody in your community is grateful for and excited about. That's how I perceive it. And if they're not, and they think that this is somehow a distraction, then they are woefully misguided and don't understand what's really going on. And I would love to have a conversation with that person about that and say, here's what it looks like. Here's how I decide who I'm going to interview. Here's the questions that I think I'm going to ask. And for me, and I'm pretty sure for you, it's all about improving yourself and getting better yourself that you're not doing this as a way to like become famous or get any attention. In fact, that's not even what is on your list. And Mm -hmm. for me, when I started this podcast, it was really, how do I get here and really accelerate my growth? And what I call it is learning in dog years that you're able to learn so much faster because you're asking experts how to solve the problems that you're facing each day. So you're going above and beyond. You said, what about when there isn't a reason and somebody just wants to fight? There is always a reason. And your job as the principal is to figure out what that reason is and then get on the same page as them about that. Anytime that comes up, you want to figure out what the real reason is, why are they really upset, and get on the same page with them about that. There is almost nothing that they can say or that they can be going after that you are going to see drastically differently from them that you can't find common ground and get on the same page. So that would really be the key for me. Figure out what's really going on and get on the same page and say, I want what you want and be serious about it. If you really don't want what they want, then redefine the problem till you get to a place where you do want the same things as them. That's very, very important. Defining the problem in such a way that you both want the same thing is key. Let's work through that just a little bit. What are you thinking when I say that? Well, I think about the power of when the school and parents or guardians are on the same team and want the same thing for the kid and have the same goals, it is always better, right? It's not about what I want is right or what the parent wants is wrong or vice versa. It's just about if the parent and the teacher or the parent and the principal are on the same page and the same team and the same goals, that's really powerful. That's when things will happen that are going to help the kid and not put the kid in a position where they're between the school and home. Yeah. Cause we don't ever want the kid to be in that position. Cause it's not helpful for anyone. It's not helpful for the parents or for the school either. So in those situations, no matter what is going on, you've got to ask another why question and peel back the onion layer, one more layer to see what the real issue is. The shortcut is to get to who do you want your child to be? And that's who I want your child to be also. Mm -hmm. And we may not agree on how to get to that path, what path to take to get to that end goal, I should say, but we do want the same thing. We both want your child to be a successful, happy, fulfilled adult. And let's talk about that end goal and how we get there. And if you say the kid needs to get there by doing this, and I say the kid needs to get there by doing this, let's keep working together to figure out how to bring those two things closer together. And if you can do that, 
then you're going to start resolving those concerns with parents. Even if that person is just appears to be angry, we just haven't discovered enough about what is really going on to help them out. Now, let's talk about that recording issue real quick, because this is important. People are always concerned about like, what if somebody records me? Yeah, that may happen. You need to recognize you're being recorded. Therefore, you need to pay attention to what you say and think yeah. before you speak. Also, anytime somebody said, I'm recording this, and even when they didn't, I would often ask, are you recording our conversation right now? And if they say no, then that's totally fine. If they get upset or offended that I asked them, I say, well, you gave me indications that you might be recording, so I'm just making sure. And I asked a lawyer about this early in my career because I dealt with some pretty difficult issues early on. And the lawyer said, if somebody else is recording you, then you record your side as well. So that if there are issues later, then you can combat that with your version of the recording and talk about whether or not things were edited. And I would always say the same exact thing. If you're recording, I'm going to record a copy for myself. I don't think anything is going to come of this, but I want to make sure that I've got that version that I can share with my team if anything ever does come of it so that they have a copy of it as well. And very non-confrontational, very, let me actually make it easier for you by me recording it as well. And then I would offer to send them a copy of it at the end and say, I'm happy to send you a copy of this when I send it to my superiors. Would you prefer that? Or are you good with just your recording? And that is, again, like, I'm not hiding anything. I don't mm -hmm. not doing anything sneaky. I'm happy to share this. Like, let's put this conversation out in the public. Doesn't matter to me. I'm fine with it. And the challenge that you face is that if you're not calm and collected in control of yourself, then you might get in trouble for it, right? <laughs> you might say something that is not good. And so if, I mean, my philosophy, especially because I was doing the podcast, my philosophy was everything that I say is being recorded by somebody. And I just need to be prepared for that and be mm -hmm. okay with it. And if that's the case, then, you know, I need to have integrity and be true to who I am and treat people with respect and kindness all the time. And those things got me going in the right direction. Yeah. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. I don't worry about what I would say, especially when it's a parent I've never even met and I don't even know what the issue is. And I was working with a new staff member in the past that struggled with some of that stuff. And my analogy was like, Hey, when you work in public education, whether you're a secretary, a principal, a teacher, counselor, you got to just know everything you do and say ends up public. It's like being live streamed on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't want to worry about what you say and don't say and do anything, you wouldn't want in the newspaper or a public records request or someone recorded and you don't have anything to worry about. I know sometimes parents, if they come in and say things like, well, I'm going to record this, it's it almost comes off as like an intimidation approach. Like I'm going to make them mad and then I'll catch them saying something. It's like, I'm not going to get mad. I wouldn't get mad if you weren't recording this. Yeah. I'll be the same guy that you'll talk to in the grocery store or at the football game, you know? Yeah. I mean, that really is like, we started this out. I was saying like, you need to believe that education is the parent's responsibility and you're just there to help. 
And if you really have that core belief and you go back to that all the time, and that's who you are in every situation, then you're probably going to be okay. Even if you make Mm -hmm. controversial decisions, which I did and I continue to do and not everybody liked them, but I was never, I was never duplicitous about that. People always knew that what I was really doing was what I believed was best for their kids. And I could stand behind that 100%. And I would encourage others to do that as well. And, you know, none of us is perfect and that's okay. But if we have core beliefs that are guiding what we're doing, then we can stand behind the decisions that we make very comfortably. Yeah. And it makes it clear to parents, like where you're coming from, because you're coming from the same belief with every kid and every parent and every situation. Yep. And, and if you don't have those beliefs and you think that you are God's gift to kids everywhere, because you know, the best way to educate them, uh, you know, you're going to be in for a wake up call and that that's a pretty tough expectation to have of yourself and of others. And you're not going to get a lot of success continuing to believe that. So, you know, that's one of those things that you need to really think about what your role is and who you are and what value you provide, because you can provide a lot of value, but you also have to recognize who really is responsible for their kids. You're responsible for them when they're in your school and you better do your best to help them be successful. But if the parents decide to move, like you're out of the picture and it's a different principal or a different teacher in the way on that path. And you don't have any control over those things. So education really is the responsibility of the parents. And we're just there to help in, in the best way we can for as long as we can while their kids are in our school. And if it works out that it's for a long time and we build relationships where it continues after that, then that's a blessing and an honor. Yeah. No, I like that. That's a good way to approach the, approach the challenge. Is that all you hope for and more with the parent topic today? This was good. I mean, I feel like I could talk about this for hours, but I think that's a good place to end. The next time we meet will be our last one for this school year. So I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully we've got some good stuff to talk about then. Any ideas of what you might want to talk about next? I have a lot of ideas. One of the big ones would be when I came in new this year, there's so many things you're focused on that you have to learn that I did not have things in place and ready for and even really focused on helping new staff transition in. And so I know in the fall, that's something I have to do a better job of. And we won't have as many new staff. We won't have a new principal and a new assistant principal and a new secretary and eight new teachers in one building. So that alone will be good. We'll have less turnover. But thinking about what's important for those new hires coming in to be successful. And that was something that everybody knows is hard. Mm-hmm. I've relearned that lesson after spending my whole career in one district and then transitioning. It's like, that was a reminder how difficult that is for people, whether you're a new first year person or a veteran person making a change. So that'd be one that I know I could use some help with next month. Okay. Well, we'll take some time and think about that. And again, this is awesome. I'm enjoying these conversations with you and I know people are enjoying it. In fact, we got a review on Apple podcasts recently that I'm just going to pull up real quick because I want to give a shout out because you're doing a great job with this this year and I'm grateful for it. And we even got a review saying as much. So let me just read that real quick. 
All right. This is from Mike A in looks like Oregon. This podcast consistently delivers always good information that is useful to a wide range of educational leaders. Really enjoying Eric's interviews as well. Very accessible and enjoyable to listen to. Thank you, Eric, for being here and doing stuff. And thank you, Mike, for leaving a review. And if you want to leave a review on this show, please do. And just leave it wherever you like and only give us five-star reviews. We don't need any of these ones. <laughs> only five stars. Those are great. So thanks, everybody. And appreciate you again, Eric, for being here. Thanks, Jethro. Appreciate your help today. Edited by Gage Sanderson.